Hello everyone, I'm Robin and I'm going to be reading Art House Baby by OTRTBS on AO3. It's linked in the description of the podcast. This is going to be the first chapter. The intro song is Good Old Fashioned Loverboy by Queen. It's one of my favourite songs, as all my friends know. So I hope you like it. It's also an important song to this fic. Um, the first chapter, I'm not going to be able to pronounce the name because I'm can't read stuff with symbols i'm very awful like that but here we go chapter one small beer with deep pound signs yes hey boy where'd you get it from hey boy where did you go i love my passion in the good old-fashioned school of lover boys james potter just like just to think that he's down on his luck Happens to everyone at some point, right? Down in your luck sounds better than directionless. On the verge of overdrawing your bank account, jobless 23-year-old. That's what he tells himself as he shuffles quickly into the little coffee shop on the corner, rubbing his hands together rapidly to warm them up. The little bell chimes, announcing his entrance, and his glasses immediately fog up due to the rapid change in temperature. The scent of coffee brewing is a welcomed one, and James closes his eyes, inhaling deeply, and letting the roasted, warm smell comfort him in its familiarity. Gentle music is playing somewhere from the hidden speakers in the shop. Look, I hate to be this person because I love seeing you in here every day. I do, the barista began warily from the other side of the counter. But I'm afraid Melting Cup Cafe and Bakery is bleeding you dry money-wise. Remus! James opened his eyes and quickly cleaned the fog on his glasses with his shirt before putting them back on. He could reach the barista with his best charming smile that never seemed to falter, no matter how down on the luck he was. You have my usual. Remus, sighing, turned round before pacing a large cup on the counter next to the register. Steam was coming off a little hole in the lid and James felt his caffeine headache melt away just looking at it. That's £4.9p. Remus replied flatly, ringing him up. James began fumbling in his pockets, looking for his wallet, checking his jacket pockets first, then the pockets in his trousers. Ah, he says when he finally finds it, putting it out and paying. I almost feel that, ethically. I cannot keep selling you coffee when you have no money and no job. Remus shook his head as James took his first sip. I am working on the job part, James grinned. One of these days I'm going to be a millionaire and buy my own coffee shop and then you won't see me in here anymore at all. And wouldn't that be sad? You're on track to being a millionaire at the banking job you had before you quit. Remus's eyes shot up, looking at his friend. I don't feel bad about sending you coffee every day when you weren't there. You were lucky we are our friends, Remus Lupin. Or otherwise, I might even be angry at you right now for bringing that up. James said warningly, as Remus held his hands up in surrender. I'm going to sit over there. James nodded at the empty table in the corner. Actually, the entire cafe was empty this early in the morning. James always got there a little before opening, and because Remus was fond of him, he would let James in early. Remus claimed it was out of the goodness and kindness of his heart, but James secretly suspected Remus was lonely, opening the shop all by himself. He had been coming to get coffee from this place on the corner for almost three years now. Two and a half of those years, he would come in, order the same double latte every morning, talk to Remus for a few minutes, then head off to his incredibly boring, insane, mundane, soul-killing bank job. Over the years, James and Remus had developed a friendship that both of them thoroughly enjoyed. That friendship led into after-work dinner and drinks, and soon Remus considered James one of his best mates. James liked Remus. He was dependable, quietly observant and incredibly intelligent. He was always ready with a quick quip or sharp remark that James found entertaining. 
James admires Remus's quiet intelligence and the way it seemed to intimidate those around him. Most of all, James admired Remus's determination and independence. Remus worked at the caffeines to put himself through school. He was working on his second master's degree and called himself a perpetual student, always voracious for knowledge, to know, to learn. To study things was to understand them. There was power in that. Remus liked James, despite himself. At first glance, James seemed the arrogant, selfish asshole type. He sauntered in the cafe in his way too expensive and perfectly tailored suit on the way to his banking job. And Remus was determined to hate him. However, his plan was quickly foiled as soon as James opened his mouth to speak. He was exceedingly kind, patient, tipped well and took a genuine interest in Remus as a person by asking him all kinds of questions about himself. Soon, Remus found him, his warmth endearing and optimistic outlook on life a little addicting. Nice music, Joe snorted as he pulled out his laptop, starting it up while a twangy acoustic guitar melody droned on. Listen, if it was up to me, there'd be nothing but Bowie playing in here. But the owner, Arthur Weasley, came in one day, and I wasn't expecting it, and tis a pity she was a whore was playing, and now I'm only allowed to play instrumentals. Remus called back, making a coffee for himself before the morning rush came in. James let out a little laugh before turning his full attention to his computer. In the last six months, this had become a new routine of his. Instead of getting his coffee and rushing off to the bank, he now got his coffee and sat at a table, searching for jobs and making Remus's life a little more difficult. In all honesty... He was on track to making an ungodly amount of money on the bank. He was up for a promotion in a few months and would be made head financial analyst in a year or so, but he had never hated anything more. Every day, he wore the same thing, sat in the same office, talked to the same people, read from the same strip, made the same promises. There was no excitement, no action, no fun. James desperately missed having fun. All that awaited him at the job were long hours and fluorescent nights that gave him migraines. He was going to go crazy after he had to spend the rest of his life there, doing that same job every day on leap. In an impulsive and incredibly stupid decision, James had decided to quit in the middle of a conference meeting. One minute he was clicking his pen mindlessly, feeling his brain rotting inside his skull from lack of stimulation, and the next he was packing his things and walking out the door, muttering quick, I quit, before I hand his back. It felt good in the moment. James was flooded with absolute relief and excitement about the endless possibility the future held. That was six months ago. Now, James was desperately low on funds for pl- paying for his flat, for his groceries and for his daily caffeine intake. The only good thing about his old banking job was that it provided a comfortability that James had gotten used to. He had money to buy lavish and extreme, extreme gifts for his friends whenever he felt like it. He could pay for everyone's dinner and buy them rounds of drinks at a bar, and he loved doing it. But now, he could only afford a dirt of pot noodles. Perhaps Remus had a point. Any other person would be reasonably scared. Any sensible, realistic person would realise the trouble the appending financial doom would cause. But not James. He fully subscribed to the belief that money comes and goes, and right now, it's simply just gone. But it will come again. Sure, he was down on his luck. He had been for six months. But something wonderful was bound to happen soon. Until then, he searched tirelessly for jobs online. But nothing seemed to work for him. James was well qualified for bank- accounting, banking, business, trade and finance jobs. He'd gone to university, excelled in all of his classes and understood the intricacies of the market almost better than anyone. But all of the jobs in that field bored him to death. He couldn't shake the feeling that he'd made a mistake in choosing the path of education for himself. It was easy, too easy for him. He wanted a challenge. In school, 
He was interested in sports and partying more than anything and never stopped to think about the day when he would have got to get serious about his life. He never imagined himself living past 21 as if he had been completely honest with himself. And now that he had, he wished he hadn't picked finance to study. All the other jobs that didn't focus on business and finance paid criminally low rate salaries that even optimistic James knew he wouldn't be enough for him to get by with. What he really wanted was for someone to pay a million to use his finance degree in an interesting and dangerous way. That seemed impossible. Mixing danger and adrenaline with finance. It didn't stop James from looking, though. He had been quietly working at that little wooden table for a few hours, filing out application after application, responding to rejection emails from companies letting him know they decided to go in a different direction. When a man walked in, that caught his eye. He was lanky and had a shrewd expression on his face and dark hair. He was wearing all black with his eyes hidden by sunglasses and looked important and expensive. He moved as if he was trying not to draw attention to himself at all. His face was still in a quiet determination and he slipped among a large incoming crowd, stapled something to the chalkboard at the front of the shop and slipped out without a word. James looked at the place he was for a few moments after he left. His eyebrows furrowed in slight confusing curiosity before he got up to examine the paper the stranger put on the board. There were several flyers on the board, some advertising odd jobs like lawn mowing and gardening services, dog walkers, needers and babysitters. Others, flyers, promoted local bands and businesses or events going on around the area. The paper he was interested in, however, was stapled right in the middle of the board in bolded capital letters. It read, Lucrative job opportunity, potential to make pound, pound, pound. <laughs> Take a number and call for more info. Incredibly vague and yet entirely interesting. James ripped off the contact number at the bottom of the flyer and stuck it in his pocket before turning to Remus. What do you know about the guy who just walked in here and put this up, he asked. Remus shrugged. Nothing. All kinds of people put flyers up here. But it looks too good to be true, it usually is. He returned to making coffee for the line of people in the shop. James stared at the flyer for a few moments longer before returning to his table and packing up his things. Bye, Remus. See you. James called, walking into the door. Remus looked up from the cat register and gave him a wave. Our texture, James said as the bell chimed for the second time that day, announcing his exit. James walked quickly back to his flat, partially because of the cold and partially because he felt as if the slip of paper was burning a hole through his pocket. He wasn't sure why he had such a good feeling about this, but as soon as he saw the man place the flyer up, he felt it calling to him, daring him to investigate. This was it. This was the job he'd been looking for. His luck was about to turn around. He could feel it. He set his things down as soon as he was in the door, kicking off his shoes and sitting on the couch, pulling up the piece of paper with the phone number on it and calling it on his cell. Hello? A rough voice came through the other end of the phone after a few rings, and James sat up straighter. Hello? My name is James Potter. I'm calling about the fly you posted in the cafe about an hour ago. Silence. For the lucrative job opportunity, I'd like to apply. James continued a little unnerved. That was quick. Well, I'm a season moment kind of person. Was it you who put up the flyer? No. The man on the end of the line snorted. There seemed to be clicking noises on the other end of the line, as if the man was typing something into a computer. And James felt the same strange sensation that was a te- that this was a test of some sort. I'm going to ask you some questions to determine if you what we're looking for. This is an interview. This is to determine if you get an interview. Is that clear? The man on the other end of the line sounded harsh but bored. 
James imagined him to be around his own age based on the sound of his voice and pitched him with a stern, heavy brow, scowling and smoking a cigar. Yeah, that's clear, James responded. State your name and age, please. James Potter, 23. The sound of clicking up keys ensued over the phone line. Would you consider yourself a nice guy, James? Sure, well, I think so. A decisive snort and more clicking. And oh, why did she call this number? I, uh, I needed a job. Clearly, the man's voice came out flat and unimpressed. James had a feeling he was losing this job interview, if it was possible. Pre-interview, he corrected himself in his head. I'm sick of my old job. I want something exciting, something daring. I don't want to be stuck doing the same thing every day for the rest of my life. I want action. I want a life free from boredom. James expanded boldly. He felt nervous about this answer, considering he knew nothing about this job, and it could very well be a cubicle office job too. Would you consider yourself a brave person, James? Absolutely, he responded resolutely. More clicking. And would you feel? how would you feel about a job that requires travel? Any family depending on you? No. James took a steady breath in. Kind of on my way own at the moment. I don't mind travelling. I've always wanted to go to Brazil. And what did you do before? Job-wise, that is. I was a financial analyst and advisor at Crockett's banking and financial firm. The clicking on the other end of the line stopped. So you've been have you've had experience in banking, finance, marketing, trade, creating offshore accounts and tra- things of all that nature. Sure, James replied happily, glad that the man on the other end of the line seemed more invested now. I agree with all that stuff. Always have been. I can move money, track markets, analyze data, all that stuff. Can you hold for a moment? One moment, please, James. The voice said after a minute. Sure. Just as he, soon as he said yes, hard music came blaring through the phone and James sat patiently listening to the saxophone melody. He thought about the strangeness of this phone call. He had no idea what the job was, what it entailed, or even the name of the man on the other end of the line. Instead of feeling sceptical about these details, he felt exhilarated. Hello? Am I speaking to James Potter? A different voice came through the other speaker. Softer voice that sounded slightly French. Sounded beautiful, and James felt his breath hitch in the th- throat of this at the sound. Yes, he gulped, trying to recover. He didn't know how he knew it, but he knew this person was important. He was the boss, at least the boss of the other guy that James has previously spoken to over the phone. I told you no about money, financial institutions, the market, the voice spoke again. What do you know about money laundering? Well, there are many ways to do it, James said, willing to tell the man on the other end of the line anything he wanted. Structuring where you break up cash into smaller chunks to avoid reporting requirements. There's trade-based laundering, while which involves under or overvaluing invoices. Shell companies, round-tripping, black salaries, bulk cash, smuggling. All sorts of ways to launder money these days. Each increasingly hard to track, but I assure you, I'm very well trained and I know how to spot all the telltale signs and protect your company or companies from being targeted of money laundering if there is a concern of yours. Silence. Nothing gets past me. I'm very thorough. I know a lot about other financial institutions, foreign markets, things of that nature. I was on the track to becoming the youngest head financial analyst at Crockett before I quit. Why did you quit? James paused for a moment, trying to consider if he should tell the man the truth. He really wanted to make it to the interview portion, if at the very least to see the person behind the voice. I was bored. I need something more than a desk job. Doesn't matter how nice the desk is. There was a long pause and James wondered if the lion had suddenly gone dead without him realising. 
Are you available to come in tomorrow for an interview? The man said at last. Yes. James breathed quickly. Do you have a pen and a paper? I'm going to give you an address and a time. James jumped up quickly, running to grab a pen and paper, using one of the overdue notices he'd received recently on the table as a scratch paper. Quickly, he jotted down the information. Um, what is that job for, or or about, if you don't mind me asking? I'm still not sure what I'm interviewing for. Do I need to bring my resume with me, a cover letter? I, I also didn't catch your name or the company name. The flying details were sparse. It was sparse for a reason. I'll see you tomorrow, James. If you do well enough, then I'll tell you more about the job. But there's no need to tell you anything until I'm, unless I'm sure you'll be the right fit for us. The man explained briskly. But I'm sure we could have a great use for you here. You sound promising. Can I at least get your name? James asked again, sounding rather desperate. Regulus, the voice answered shortly. See you tomorrow, he said before hanging up. James put his phone down and immediately went to grab his laptop. He typed in Regulus into the search bar and went through hundreds of articles, social media profiles and even blog posts to no avail. Hours had been wasting fruitlessly. He couldn't do much with the first name, no matter how unique it was. In fact, he had learned a great deal about astronomy from the name Regulus, a lot about the star, but nothing at all about the person. Regulus, he thought to himself, was a beautiful name, an interesting name. For the first time in his life, James understood Remus's need to learn, his desire to always know more, his incessant curiosity. James wanted to know everything about Regulus, who he was, what he did, what he liked and why the star's name. Any normal person would go to the interview tomorrow, any sensible person would have been sketched out by the mysterious and vague nature of the job position. But James wasn't just anyone. James was on the hunt for adventure, and this seemed like the perfect place for the, to start. Regulus, he thought to himself again, and again, and again, until the sun sat and he clambered into bed, almost too anxious about his job interview and meeting the mysterious Regulus to fall asleep. Almost. When he did fall asleep, he dreamed of constellations and shooting stars, deep forests and grey skies. Okay, so that's the end of the first chapter. I hope you... Please give me any tips or help, constructive criticism, all that sort of stuff, so I can improve. Tell me if I'm talking too quickly, because I do tend to have that habit. I'm sorry. Um, My recording equipment isn't much, I don't know if you can tell. My editing isn't fantastic, so I am sorry about that. But yeah. Um, I've been told that it's a good idea to include questions at the end. So here's... The first chapter question. Um, if, well, who's your favourite more order? Or what more order do you can? Yeah. For me, I've been told I look like a jegulous love child who's been raised by Prongsfoot. Love my friends. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I have the circular glasses and the uh, curly, long-ish brown hair. And I, as you can probably tell, I am definitely a serious and James Kinney. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'll see you in the next episode. Editing Robin here. As you can tell, English is my first language, which means I tend to slur my words, so I'm sorry about that. My bad, my bad. Yeah. Yay.
Bye.